James, the fourth chapter. And we're really on the fourth point of this section where James is dealing with conflict in the church. There was conflict in the church. Just the people were putting their own agendas first and were walking in the flesh as opposed to the spirit. And so let's look very quickly. But James gives us the answer. And the answer, of course, the answer, of course, is the grace of God, the grace of God. And when the Bible says, verse 6, James 4, but he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, this is what we're going to get into tonight. Amen. Oof, these glasses aren't going to work. I can tell you why. I'll tell you why the glasses are doing good. One of the lens came out. That'll tell you why. I'm looking at this crazy thing, saying I know I didn't bring the wrong pair, but uh, I did. But anyhow, cure for the conflict. Cure for the conflict. And God gives us grace. That's the answer. Verse 6, God gives us grace so we can overcome our old nature, so we can walk in peace and love towards one another. God gives us grace so that we can deal with whatever we have to deal with. We can overcome the enemy, and we can keep the victory. God gives us grace. But our question that we've been looking at, how do I tap into the grace of God? How do I get that grace to flow in my life? It's not just by singing about amazing grace. A lot of people singing about it haven't received it. Aren't, they're not saved, you know what I mean? Um, You've got to receive the grace. How do I do that? And James, if we study our, our little text here, He's giving about nine ways or nine um, exhortations of what we need to do to let that grace flow in our lives. And again, we think about the grace of God. When we think about 1 Peter 5 says he's the God of all grace. So there's plenty of grace. Amen? We've been talking about um, how um, Paul said to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of grace in Jesus. Amen? But we got to be strong in that. we got to learn how to tap into that and have that flow in our lives. But God is God of all grace. We see in Hebrews that the Bible says His throne is called the throne of grace, where we can go to get help in our needs. We find out in 2 Corinthians, that 12th chapter, that God's grace is a sufficient grace. That means it's adequate for whatever we need. Whatever you need, the grace of God is sufficient for that. You might have to live in a hard situation. The grace of God is sufficient to help you live in that situation. You, you might have to deal with a season in life that's very difficult, very stressful. The grace of God is able to help you walk through that and keep the faith and keep the victory and keep the joy. But as we notice in our text here, there's things we have to do to tap into that grace. That grace doesn't just come you know, if you would, 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. Here's a very familiar, 9 and 10. Here's a very familiar verse by the grace of God, but I want to bring out something about it that kind of uh, comes into agreement with James. That there's things you and I must do if we want that grace to flow. There's things I have to do in my life, to position in my life, behaviors and beliefs in my life, if I want God's grace to flow. You know, there's plenty of grace to save whosoever will. Amen? You believe that? There's enough grace in Jesus Christ to save anybody. But they've got to receive it, don't they? They've got to respond to it, don't they? All that grace in abundance is potentially able, but you've got to respond to it. In the same way as believers, 
There is grace to help you and I go through any situation, overcome any adversary, keep the victory regardless of circumstance. But I have to study in the Word of God the things, what must I be doing that the grace of God will stay strong in my life and flow freely in my life as I need that grace. And so again, I want to point our attention to this verse because sometimes we quote this verse. This is one of those verses that even sinners quote. You know, sometimes you ever hear a sinner quote a verse and parties want to shake your head and say, knock it off. You're more lost in the chair I'm sitting in. Don't be quoting Bible. Amen. But I want you to see something about this verse that we all quote and there's parts that we leave out. The Bible says, Paul writes, for even though I'm least of the apostles and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Stop. That's usually where the, the, the backslider stops. That's where the unbeliever stops. Amen. That's the only part they remember. That's enough to hang you. Come on. You, you know, judgment comes with what you know. The more you know, the more danger you're in if you're a rebel. But that's another sermon for another day. I'll leave it there. But Paul writes, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And here it is. And his grace to me was not without effect. It wasn't wasted. Is God's grace being wasted in your life? Are you tapping into that grace? Are you living in a way where the grace can flow? Or is the grace being quenched and insulted in a life? Notice, his grace to me was not without effect. What did he do? Paul says, you know what? I worked harder than all of them. Yeah, not I, but the grace of God that was in me. He says, I, I responded to the grace of God. The grace of God is not just something like luck. You know, it just kind of falls where it falls. Not, not on your life. That's how grace works. Grace is the working of God's spirit in a life that's yielded and surrendered and obedient and believing and walking holy and walking close with God. So as we get back to James, I want you to see that Paul preached a similar thing. That it's not enough just to say, yippee, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Well, you're not saved. <laughs> No, the grace of God, powerful and effective and beautiful and enduring, but we have our part to do for it to work in our lives. So we're going to look at this. This is what James is getting at here. And number one, what did we find out? He said the first thing, what is verse 7a? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. The first thing I need to do, if God's grace is going to flow, and this is a quick review, is relinquish control of your life. I've got to give my life to Christ. I've got to submit myself to the Lord. And it's that humble person that yielded to God. God gives grace to the humble. It's that humble life that yielded to God. God says, my grace can flow there. The one that stops fighting me and resisting me and trying to cut a deal. And the one that just says, Lord, have your way. God says, that's where my grace flows. And we talked about that. Jesus, those, that famous um, sermon when he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And I asked the question, in order to get the rest of the Lord, his divine rest, his inner rest, the rest of forgiveness, the rest of um, strength within, the rest of his peace that passes under, in order to get that rest, did Jesus say we just ask for it? No. Did Jesus say we just confess it? Uh-uh. He said, if you want that rest, you yield for it, you surrender for it, you come under my yoke. Take my yoke upon you. And you know what the yoke was, right? They got to get under that thing. You got to submit to that thing. You want God's grace? Then stop trying to do your thing and do his thing. Stop fussing and kicking 
in surrender. And he says, if you'll do that, then you'll find rest for your soul. Then you'll see the grace of God flowing in your life because you've surrendered yourself to God. So number one, I'm going to relinquish control of my life. But secondly, then I got to resist the devil. There's one thing about surrendering to God, but I'm not going to surrender to the devil. I'm going to resist him. And we studied this. It's a beautiful thought because resisting means to stand against. And that's an action word, isn't it? Faith is an action word. Faith is not just, I think I can, I think I can. That's a little choo-choo train that tried to climb the mountain. That, that's, not, that's not faith at all. Amen? Some people, you got, you're confused with mental with faith. That's not faith at all. Faith is trust and confidence in God with the obedience to God, with the fruit of obedience. But here it is, the action of faith releases the working of God's grace. No one's going to walk on water till you get out of the boat and walk. Amen? But if you'll get out with obedience, that grace will be there to keep you walking. Amen? Oh, folks, this is what causes the devil to flee. What a beautiful promise. He'll flee from you. Satan will flee from you if you take your stand against him. That's the working of God's grace in a life. It makes you stronger than your enemies. What a joy. And we studied the various ways that we resist the devil and we fight this good fight of faith. But now, finally, relinquish control, resist the devil, restore worship. And this is really where we stopped last time and want to pick up again. Restore worship as a priority. Worship is one of those precious things that really attracts the presence of God. If you want to be a worshiper, if you really want the presence of God in your life, learn to worship, learn to praise the Lord. And here's what he says here in verse, verse 8. Draw near to God, come near to God. And again, another wonderful promise, and he will come near to you. What a thought. We've already been commanded to submit to God as servants. Here, we're admonished to draw near as worshipers. The Spirit says, draw near. You want grace? Draw near. You see, where those that were doing their own thing and they were battling in the flesh, remember the context here, that was something that, that divided them from God, that caused them to drift away from God. God says, don't drift away. Draw near. Receive grace. Get to that throne of grace. Spend some time in that throne of grace. You can go in and out so quick, you get nothing on you. Spend some time in the presence of the Lord. You know that. You can walk in and out of a place, but if you stay somewhere long enough, man, that sense will get on you, for good or for evil. I mean, for good or bad, whatever, it'll get on you. But you got to dwell there. He that dwells in the secret place, of the, not just visits, not just make a quick in and out. No, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the church. Oh, my. So it's beautiful. More, more than submitting, more than even resisting. This is loving honoring, worshiping, communion with God. We talked about last time, pursue a loving relationship with God. And we said, number one, how Jesus has made a way. We looked at Hebrews. Through the veil, which was his body, he made a way. Through that shed blood, Jesus made a way that you and I can go into the presence of God. And then we said, not only did Jesus make a way, but there's wonderful privileges and blessings to the one that will draw near to God. It's a beautiful thought. How, how did we say it last time? We looked and we said, not only has he made a way, but God rewards. That's how. God rewards the sincere worshiper. God will reward the person. The greatest reward is God. He says, and I'll draw near to you. 
And we said in the presence of God, wonderful things happen. Mighty things happen. Sovereign things happen in the presence of God. That's why hell will do anything to keep the people of God out of the presence of God. We can move in, we can move out. We can have our cute, you know, alliterations, our funny little, you know, skits and all this stuff to, to, to make our religious people complacent. But to really spend time, lay down at that altar and clean out the junk, to press in and spend time in God, hell will fight that tooth and nail. Hell will fight that tooth and nail. Because that transforms lives, that transforms generations the presence and power of God. And we looked at that. We studied that. And we got simply to the point where, again, remember our context. Instead of setting their hearts on their personal pleasures, that causes them to be divided from God and drift away from God, distance from God. God calls, draw near to me and receive grace that you can handle that situation in a godly manner, in a spiritual manner in a way that honors the Lord and is a proper testimony to a child of God. Wonderful thought here. Again, let us pursue a loving, intimate relationship with God. That's the call. That let's pursue God. Let's pursue his presence. Let's get hung, hungry and thirsty for God. But as the Bible says, he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness, he'll be filled and satisfied. Look, if you would, Ephesians 3 and 12. Ephesians 3 and 12. We want to pursue because God says there's great rewards in my presence. Wonderful things happen in my presence. Healings take place. I mean emotional healings, mental healings. In my presence, in my presence, you're cleansed, you're washed, you're renewed, you're transformed. So hell will fight tooth and nail. Stay away from the presence of God. Learn the latest hit, Christian dove hit. Learn all this other outer stuff, this stuff out there. This, this, God's, the devil says just keep busy doing that stuff. It appeases a religious conscience, but you don't really tap in to the real power, the life-changing power of the risen Christ. Ephesians 3 and 12, in Christ, in him, through faith in him, we may, what a privilege, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I'm a wicked person. I'm a fallen person. Yet because of Jesus, I can approach holy, holy, holy God that no one can look at and live. I can approach him with confidence. Oh, the power of the blood. Isn't it wonderful, the power of the blood? Oh, and, and isn't it a terrible thing to waste or neglect such an opportunity and a privilege? What Jesus did so that you and I could come boldly before that throne. And be in that presence, being transformed, being healed. Wounded hearts are healed in the presence of God. Hell will fight you from that presence. Troubled minds see clearly in the presence of God. And hell will fight you from that presence. That's where transformations take place. That's where breakthroughs come. Here in Ephesians, in Christ and through faith in Christ, you and I, man, we may approach you know, you can't say this about other kings. They're unapproachable. Certainly in that day and age, the kings of the earth, you can't, <laughs> you're not getting near them. Unapproachable. But the king of kings, whew, he says, come on and seek me, and I'll let you find me. Draw near to me, and I won't be repulsed by you. I'll draw near to you, and I'll receive you, and I'll minister to you. What a beautiful thought. 
Amen. Go, go back to that verse. Let me chew on it just a little bit more. Ah, you're doing too quick here. I got to go where the big words are. These glasses aren't working tonight. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Woo! That's why you tie this verse together, the verse in James. That's why, you know, when we come to that altar, I know Pastor Todd's expecting people to get healed every, every time, every time, every time. But God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. He didn't say, I might. He didn't say, if I'm in a good mood. He said, I will. With confidence, we approach God. I, I expect God to move. I expect God to touch lives. When I draw near, I expect God to minister grace to my heart. Amen? I expect the Lord to fill me and give me a new strength and give me a new peace. You know how it is. You can go through a day and Get a lot of bad reports, amen? And, and that old carnal nature and fears and all those things and get in that presence of God. You spend some good time in the presence of God, amen? Just praying in the Holy Ghost. Yeah, just praising the Lord. Just praise God. Shout unto God. Praise Him for His goodness. Praise Him. I mean, 30 minutes later, everything's lifted, amen? 30 minutes, all forgotten. And there's a peace and there's a rest and there's a confidence in the presence of God, can't get anywhere else. Amen? Hell will do whatever he can do to keep you from God's presence. Let's not neglect such a high and holy privilege that we have as believers to draw near with freedom and confidence. Can you say amen? In order to do that, you got hunger and thirst. You know why you're here tonight? You wanted to be here. You're an adult. No one can make you come. Big boy. Mommy don't make me come anymore. I'm an adult. Isn't that right? I do what I want. You're here tonight, but you wanted to be here. Could have been elsewhere. Could have been doing. So if we want God, we got to stir ourselves up and seek after God. You want God? You can have God. Woo! You want more Jesus? You can have more Jesus. You want more? You can have more. You want to know him better than ever? You can know him better than ever. He says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Didn't he say that? Didn't he say, if you seek me, you'll find me? So what do I got to do to find him? Just seek him. Woo! Hallelujah! I can seek. I can find God. He heals my hurts, man. He gives peace to my mind. He gives me clear thinking. He gives me comfort in my soul. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Woo! Go ahead. Give me my next verse. We're going to seek him. We're going to seek him. But you got to stir yourself up to seek him. Amen? No, no one's going to make you seek him. You reach You know, I remember my brother, he just retired um, last year from UPS. He had his 30 or so years in. And, but I remember when he started out, they started out um, still living at home. I think all, everyone's living at home then. He started out, and um, he's just a part-time deal. And then if you're any good, they put you to the full-time deal. But, I mean, he had to leave about, you know, 3 in the morning. Had to drive up there, and it was one of those, you're just going to work maybe four hours, half it, and they're testing you, loading those things. And I remember more than once, I can hear my dad yelling, Michael, get up, you know. It's a little hard for, you know, you're 17, 18 years old. That's early to get up. You know what I mean? He, he's just a boy. He wasn't quite. Now, years go by, dad's not waking him up anymore. You know, because when I was a child, I acted like a child. But one day I became a man, and I had to put away some childish behaviors, didn't I? And, and, and he, he gets up on his own. So when it comes to growing in the things of God, 
I've got to take on my personal responsibility. I'm going to seek the Lord, and God's going to let me find him. I'm going to read that book, and God's going to teach me, and I'm going to understand that book because God's the best teacher there is. Amen? Thank God for all good human teachers. We need them. They're, they're part of God's plan, but there's no better teacher than the Holy Ghost. Amen? And if we'll take time, see, we've got to take that time and seek and read that book, he'll speak to us. This is David. He's a man for God's own heart. You see, God said that. God said he was a man after his own heart. So that makes me want to say, what was it about him that God would give him such, such a, uh, an applause? Amen? David says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek. If you want it, you got to go for it. You want the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Seek it. He'll fill you. I mean, he'll fill you to overflowing. You'll pray in the Holy Ghost. You'll have a language from heaven and transform your prayer life. Woo. One thing have I desired. That will I seek. What is it that you want? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. I want to be in his presence. I want to practice his presence. Amen. I don't want to be a stranger to his presence. I want to be, I want to be more familiar with that presence. You know, I want it to be a common thing, not, not a rarity. No, not a, you know, not a, a family picnic where I see Uncle so-and-so every two years when we have the picnic and only if, he, if I don't see him first. You know what I mean? You know what I, mean? I mean, I don't want that. I don't want that relationship. I want a relationship where it's a daily thing. It's a common thing. Amen. It's a mutual thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek. You got, if you want it, you got to seek it. If you want more God, you can have more God. Just seek it. You want to be set free from that thing that has you bound? He'll set you free. His power is greater than any addiction, any bad habit, any bondage from the past. Jesus Christ will set you free. You got to seek it. Got to draw near for it. Got to believe for it. All the days of my life. Whew, I want to dwell in the house. All the days of my life. I want it to be a habit, not, not, not a Sunday, uh, Christmas, and Easter deal. I want it to be a habit. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to see God. I want to know some things about God. I want to see the beauty of God. Amen? I don't want to be some, some joker that just quotes a half a scripture because I thought I heard it somewhere in church. I want to know this God. I want to know his voice. Wow. Behold the beauty of the Lord. See him in his temple. Go ahead to verse 8. Just jump to verse 8 because we'll never get rid of here. Here it is. When you said, seek my face from the Spirit of God, seek me, seek me, seek me, God. David said, I'll seek you. If you're calling me, I'm responding. God's calling you, seek me. Jesus is calling you, come unto me. Get more, get more. You need more. You can have more. Draw near. I'll make myself known to you. You know, there's different measures of revelation. Isn't that true? We've known each other. Some of us know each other now 12 years, 12 good, 12 good years. Know each other better now, right, right Andre? Know better now than we did 12 years ago. Is that true? Know better now. You've got to spend time with someone. You've got to talk. You've got to fellowship. You've got to know a little bit of their experience. You've got to know their heart. You've got to know their desires. That don't come by just waving from across the street. You've got to spend some interaction. Isn't that true? I want to know God. I've got to spend time with God. But you know what? The more time I spend with him, God will reveal more of himself to me. You see, we just scratched the surface of knowing God. God says, if you'll spend some more time with me, I'll make myself known to you. I want to be known by you. Think about it. If the true and living God didn't want to be found, who can find him? Whew. Oh, what a, what a mercy. 
that he says, I want to be found by you. Just seek me, and I'll let you, and I'll show myself to you in new ways, in greater ways. You can know the true and living God. You said, seek my face. My heart said, your face, Lord, I will seek. I want to be a determined person to seek God. I'm going to faithfully get in that book. I'm going to faithfully honor his house. I'm going to practice praying in the spirit. I'm going to practice praising him and, and exalting him. What's my next verse? Psalm 63, Psalm 63. Again, there, there should be a, a, an earnest and a desire. And how do we say this? I scribbled it down here. In eagerness and an effort to enter the presence. In eagerness and an effort to get close to God. We've made it a priority. We make it a primary thing in our lives to know the personal presence. When, when David said earlier, he says, that I might see your face. That, that means that's talking about personal. I'm going to seek thy face. We say so and you'll never see my face again. It means I'm never going to talk to you again. And I ain't giving you opposite is true. If I see your face, that means we're going to have personal. I don't want to just hear about you from this guy. I don't want so-and-so. Someone's always thinking about you. We're going to commune. We're going to talk. We're going to, we're going to exchange relationship. I see your face. Amen. And now here in Psalm 63, there's an eagerness and an earnestness and an effort. You know, just, just keep Psalm 63 up there. There's a beautiful verse in Mark's gospel, first chapter. A note taker can write it down. I think it's verse 35 in the first chapter, and it's about Jesus. You know, Jesus being God, you would think he, he, he wouldn't be so desperate to seek God as, as I do. I mean, I, I, need, I need help. Amen. I mean, I'm a mess. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I have no left hand of a hammer to the right. I mean, I need help. You'd think Jesus, you know what the Bible says? After a great miracle crusade, where he brought healing and deliverance to multitude. You would have thought after that, you're doing pretty good. You could sleep in the next day. The Bible says, early the next morning. Somebody say early. That speaks of effort. Effort. If you want it, you got to go for it. You can have it, but you got to go for it. Early the next morning, long while before day, he got up and he went out. He had to get away from the crowd. You know, sometimes you got a lot of room in the house. You got to make an effort. To get alone with God. And he prayed. And he prayed. We can have it, but it demands an effort to seek him. But oh, folks, it's so worth it. The rewards are so worth it. Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Early will I. I'm going I'm to make an effort and a priority to seek you. My soul, I hunger for God. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. Well, have you ever thirsted before and you couldn't get a drink? David said, that's how my soul feels when I've gone a while and haven't met with God. That's how my, my soul feels. Isn't that true? I see some of these saints. Andrea, yeah, she, had a, yeah, she missed church a little bit there for some operations. She's just about crying. Oh, Lord, I miss God's house. Oh, God, I miss God's house. Oh, God, I, I'm, he's in tears. Why am I missing church? Some people drive by half a dozen every Sunday on their way to do foolish things. I have no hunger for the things of God. I have no passion for the presence of God. Whew. Woo! I'm glad it's all break more often. Amen. So I go back. I didn't get done with that one. Oh, don't go so quick on me here. Oh, God, you are my God. 
Just because he's your God doesn't mean you don't have to seek him. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you no longer have to put an effort to draw near to him and to feed on that word and to bow in that presence. Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts. Your soul ever thirsts for God? Mine does. Mine thirsts for God. Sometimes I just say, God, I want more of you. God, I want more of you. Lord, I'm so thirsty for more of you. Oh, God, I need more of you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. What's that next verse? What's that next verse? Here we go. So I looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power. I'm thirsting to see the power in the glory of God. Oh, Lord, let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. All right. Now. Restoring worship to a priority. Now, we go to this next point, but they're connected. They're connected here. So, restoring worship to a priority, we're going to connect this now with renouncing sinful actions and rejecting sinful attitudes. Notice here what it says. Verse 8, James 4, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. We got excited about that. That Jesus, the price he paid so I can draw near, then the promise the Father gives me, if I do draw near, God will draw near to me. You know, someone might knock on the door, turn off all the lights, turn that TV off, maybe they might think we're home. No, no, one you haven't done that before. I see him in Walmart, go down that next aisle, quick, quick, stop looking at that. No, you wouldn't do that. I'm glad God don't do that. Isn't that right? Some people are drawing near that aisle. I'm drawing down the next aisle. Oh, Lord, can't handle that guy right now. Lord, have mercy. I thought I was one of your favorites, God, but he said that guy. Anyway, anyway, another sermon for another day. (laughs) Hallelujah. He says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. But there's a great danger in in cutting uh, scriptures in half and only choosing the half we like. Isn't that right? Sister Gail makes some of the greatest, that cake she makes. What's that cake? That pound cake with icing on it. Woo! No, no, she makes me a, she makes me an icing one. She makes me a pound cake. Her mother got that from, from Sister Casey. But now I get in trouble all the time. But when she makes it, my wife, don't you dare. I got a habit of just cutting the ends, that whole edge, the whole outside. Because that's where all the icing is. And you get that with a cup of coffee. Woo, Lord. You know you're blessed of the Lord. Amen. I mean, and I, and I cut it out. My, don't you kill that cake. I said, but that's where the good stuff is. Amen. And sometimes I see some Christians, they read the Bible, and they only want to take what they think is the good stuff, and they're ignoring some of the other stuff. You say amen. Say ouch. Man, I'm thinking of that cake right now. Oh, oh, oh. oh Lord. That blessed my heart right there. Hallelujah. So we got to read these other verses because let's be honest. Let's be honest. You're going to draw near to your friend and expect to have some good conversation and fellowship, but you were snotty when you walked out the door. Not so fast, buddy. Hang on. We got some things to deal with first. Isn't that right? Isn't that true? Can you put up on the screen that verse? Put up verse... um, James 4 and verse 8. James 4 and verse 8. I want you to see this. Because these go together. And I know in our, in our natural person, it's easy just to divide things. Verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's beautiful. That's precious. That's exciting. But don't stop there. 
wash your hands, you sinners. Hands, actions. Make sure my actions are right. I'm not going to go shouting, jumping up and down. I just stole from the boss. I just filled in my timesheet and I lied. I mean, God's saying, hang on here. Hang on here. I'm holy. Yeah, that's not going to work. That don't work in my relationship. God, you think, I, you think I'm blind? No, 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 no. Wash your hands and purify your hearts. Where hands will speak of actions, heart would speak of attitudes. Double-mindedness. Now, what we'll notice in these verses here, James is pretty much following the verses from the Old Testament that were instructions to the priest and how the priests were to ready themselves and bring the sacrifices to God. You know, the Bible says as Christians, we are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Amen? And what does the priest do? Well, priest worships. And then as priests unto God, we worship. And then we come out of the presence of God to the world and we bring God to the world. But let's look at this. Again, I want to say this. Let me, how I wrote it down so I say it right. This point here, renounce sinful actions. We're going to wash our hands. We're going to wash our hands. Avoiding extremes. I want to avoid extremes. Every, you know, the, the human nature tends, we go extreme in things, don't we? We can go one way, the pendulum go the other way. You know what I mean? On one side, I mean, everything is sin. You know what I mean? Some people, you know, it's, it's what's 40 miles an hour here. They went 41, and they're under condemnation for the next three days, feeling like a, a you know what I mean? So, so there's extremes, right? Then other people forget it. You rob the bank, and, gee, don't get me under condemnation. You just rob the bank. I mean, I mean there's extremes. Some, some people can just about, you know, curse someone out and, and wonder why, why they ought to be disciplined. I mean, we're nuts sometimes with extremes. Well, here we go. Avoiding extremes, but listen, if you're a sincere believer and want to walk with God, let's pursue purity of heart and life. Let's pursue purity. I want to draw near to God. Now again, I want you to note, this instruction is reminiscent of the terminology of the tabernacle. The priest had to wash before approaching. You, you know, very strict. You approach and you're not right. They get struck down in the Old Testament. Thank the Lord for this new covenant. Amen. Whew, I would have been gone a long time. I mean, we, and thank God, thank God, thank God. But, but mandatory before engaging in the priestly duty. It's going to teach us don't be casual or carnal concerning the presence of God. Amen. Want to tap into the grace of God. We got to make sure we examine ourselves and we're pure in heart. But, but no, go ahead. Exodus 30, verses 17 through 21. Exodus 30, 17 through 21. And again, here's the imagery that James is giving us. Amen. It's just coming from the Old Testament. And even though I'm washed in the blood, and even though I'm robing as right, I just can't live a lackluster life and expect to get real close to God. That's foolishness. That's nuts. All right. You don't know who God is. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a, a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. You know, bronze was pretty much what they used back in those days for mirrors. They didn't have glass like we do for mirrors. And so that, the bronze, and so you'd shine it. And so this, this basin is bronze, and they, they would be able to see themselves as they washed. And you cleanse and get rid of it. So make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. 
God says, if you're going to draw near and give me a sacrifice of your praise, the petition of your prayers, I want you clean. I want you clean. You say, not the condemnation the devil gives, but I want you clean. You're going to commune with me. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. 19, Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and their feet with what? Washed water. What's that next verse? And whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water. Again, here it is, wash, so that they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting an offering made to the Lord by fire. When you come to the altar, your own altar, your, your devotional time, hey, get it right. If you're snapping at the wife, go apologize. Then come back in God's presence. You know, forgetfulness isn't forgiveness. We just think, ah, forget it, but God won't forget. If it don't get under the blood, he's not forgetting it. Amen? You know, sometimes we just think, well, maybe, you know. They shall wash their hands and feet so they won't die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for generations to come. Wash so they can present an offering that will accept. Wash so they can draw near and fulfill their duties. And it will be a blessing and not a judgment. And so James is kind of using that thought, all right? They would understand this thought. And he's saying here, um, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Remember the words of Jesus, Matthew's Gospel 5 and 29 and 30. 5 and 29 and 30. And Jesus, remember he said, if, if your right eye calls you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better to lose one part than for um, the whole body to be thrown into hell. Obviously, he's not talking about mutilation because you can pluck out both eyes. It's still lust. I mean, so he, he, he's, he's using this is imagery here. He's not, this is not to be taken literally. But the point is, Jesus is saying, you know, I, you need to deal sincerely and seriously with sin, not flippantly. Because, because God judges sin. Deal sincerely and drastically with sin, not lightly or flippantly. That's our actions. That's our actions. Again, Psalm 24, verse 3, three through 6. Psalm 24. Again, we're not looking for sinless perfection. We could never get that. But the basic Christian life should be one of a pure inward motive in a pure outward manner. Inwardly and outward should be people striving to live pure, integrity, holy. Amen? All right? And again, here it is. Who may ascend into the hill? Who's going to draw near to God? Who's going to enter? As we said before, um, there's different measures and ministries and depths to the presence of God. There's, there's been times in a prayer meeting, couldn't stand up. Couldn't literally stand up. I mean, God's, you could not stand. I've been in a service or two. I, I turned around and not a person in the seat, stands up, everyone on the ground. And I knew it. I said, something hit. Just something hit. I'm in this time's presence of God. I lean against my bookshelf so I don't fall out. No catchers when you're by yourself. Amen. <laughs> I lean against that bookshelf. <laughs> presence of God. Presence of different measures. We, we like great results with little effort. We want great results of God's moving, but don't want to put in what it takes of consecration to get to that place. Who may ascend 
into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his hole? Who can really get closer to God? He who has a clean hands, here it is, and a pure heart. I'm not stealing. I'm not striking. Amen. My hands are clean. My actions are clean. And my pure heart. I mean, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pure and acceptable in your sight. He who doesn't lift up his soul to an idol, nor is sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing. He shall receive. What's that blessing? You get to draw near to God. You get to get closer to God. Oh, my. And righteousness from God of his salvation. There's greater measures of God's presence you can enjoy. There's greater measured levels of intimacy with God you can enjoy. You can have greater revelations and understandings of the word of God, of the will of God, of the character of God. It's all available but there's something on our end that we have to do. Amen? It, it might be free, but it's not cheap. There's a price to pay to know this God better, to walk with this God closer. I remember one old man of God preaching to a pastor's conference, and he yelled at him and said, he's not going to talk to you at halftime. <laughs> Saturday night, you need to cut out time and seek him, give him attention that he deserves, and give him that focus. Here we go, here we go. Now notice this, notice this. We're going to close with this, but I want you to see this. We started out this whole discussion. James is saying God gives us grace. God gives grace to the humble, amen? And that God promises you and I sufficient grace for every challenge, every circumstance, every situation. But the grace of God, uh, it, gets, it gets misconstrued, especially in the carnal, especially in the backslider. They think, you know, God's grace gives them an excuse. No, God, uh, God's grace is keeping you from God striking you dead, for all that it is, you rebel. And um, but God's grace has nothing to do with allowing foolishness or allowing rebellion. That's nuts. The grace of God is something that teaches me the way of God and helps me to walk better in that way. Titus, too. let's go to Titus, Titus, and we're going to finish with this, but I want you to see this. Talking about the grace of God. We, talk, we sing about the grace of God. Amen? Um, unbelievers, the grace of God. They don't even know what they're talking about. There's a grace of God for Jesus on the cross. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't treat that lightly. I treat that very holy, very reverently. The grace of God. It's not a weak thing. It's a precious thing. It's a valuable thing. Now, Titus teaches, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. We thank God we've received the grace of salvation. Amen? So there's the grace of salvation that, that, that comes to me. I was lost, and it came to me, didn't it? It woke me up. It drew me to God. There's a grace of salvation, but then, grace of salvation that came to me, but then there's a grace of sanctification that works in me. Grace doesn't just stop with fire insurance. That's just the beginning. Then grace wants to work in our lives to transform us and mold us and make us into the ones he's called us to be. So here we go. Verse 11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. Has it appeared to you? Of course it has. If you're saved, the grace that brings salvation has appeared to you. But now, listen, don't stop there. Let grace teach you. Let grace show you some things. Let grace help you to understand 
what this Christian life is all about and what living for Jesus really means. Wouldn't that be a terrible thought? I, I know this sounds silly, but this is really how people think, though they won't say it, that God would send His only begotten Son to take all the judgment and justice that we deserve, that every sinner deserves, so that someone can just make a flippant thing out of the grace of God and, you know, say a little sinner's prayer and then keep living together and then keep doing this and then keep doing that and then keep, oh my goodness. Are we missing something here? What is it? We haven't understood the grace of God. Is that grace? Here it is. It teaches us to say what? To say what? To ungodliness and worldly passions. But then it helps. It teaches me, but then it helps me. Because I need help. I can't live it in my own strength. Amen. I need help. I can't live it with my own wits. I need help. Not only teaches me to say no, it helps me to live right and to live self-controlled, upright. God lives where? In this present age, in this wicked world, in this fallen world. You and I can live right because of the grace of God. That grace is going to teach me to say no to some things that grieve God and displease God, but that grace is going to give me strength to live right for God. Even if no one else wants to live right, you can live right. No one else on the job wants to live for Jesus, you can live for Jesus. No one else at home wants to bless the Lord, you can bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in your mouth. Woo! While we wait, while we wait for the blessed hope, glorious appearing, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace keeps me looking for the future. Grace keeps me longing and waiting for Jesus. While I'm waiting, it's teaching me what to reject, and it's teaching me how to live and giving me power to live that life. That's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. So don't just, here we go, ready? Grace, saving grace, comes to you. All right, you gotta hear the gospel. Someone told you about Jesus. Maybe mom brought you to church as a little guy and you heard it in Sunday school, but the grace of salvation comes to you. Now the grace of salvation works in you. You got saved and you were forgiven, but if you're like me, there's still a lot of baggage, a lot of things that had to be undone, washed out, renewed, and all that. That grace worked in you. We're not who we used to be, are we? We've changed, haven't we? Well, see, that's the grace of sanctification. That grace works in me. But you know what? Don't stop there. There's a grace for salvation. Grace for sanctification. You know what? One more. Grace for service. As God uses our lives. There's a grace that came to me. There's a grace that works in me. And there's a grace that flows out of me. As we minister as vessels of that grace. And through our lives, God uses us to touch others. To speak a word in season. To minister. Isn't that beautiful? It's all the grace of God. And, and it's this grace, as I practice this grace, I, I can be pure in an impure world. And I can make sure my heart has a sincere motivation about it so that I can draw near to God and I can really enjoy the fullness of God's presence because the rewards in God's presence out of this world, out of this world. Amen? All right, that's enough. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. And we thank you, Lord, that your grace is adequate and sufficient for anything we'll face in this life. 
And we thank you, Lord, that the Bible teaches how we can live in a way where your grace can stay strong and flowing in our lives. We love you, Lord. Help us to believe your word and to apply your word. In Jesus' name, bless these dear ones. Give them a great week. Let it be a week of victory. Let it be a week of breakthrough. Let it be a week of answered prayer. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.